0: Alright, I've got Robert again with me for uh, from the Countercharge Kings of War podcast, and we're here to talk about Kings of War version 3. Since I finally bought a rule book, and I actually had time to read it and take notes and all this stuff, and plus I have a ton of time on my hands now, I'm like, why not generate some more content? So, glad to see you again, Robert.
1: Absolutely. It only took you, uh, I think last time we chatted was like December of 2018. So it took only took you a year to get to this point.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it's this—it's the virus. It makes it easy to game, I guess, or at least ca- caught up. When I'm done with this, I'm going to go like, inventory all my Flames of War stuff and then, uh, yeah, and see what's on sale, see what I need to add. Yeah, it's, it's just very, very strange time with gaming. Very strange well, it time. doesn't
1: matter when you cross the finish line as long as you cross the finish line. That's right? true. Yeah.
0: So for the people out there that don't know, what is Kings of War?
1: Kings of War. Uh, Kings of War is a mass combat fantasy battle game, um, with some similarities to Warhammer Fantasy Battles, uh, which was a game that Warhammer, which was a game that GW made. Probably, gosh, I think they killed it for AOS in Age of Sigmar. For those, sorry, I, I always forget sometimes. Uh, Age of Sigmar, which came out in 2015. So, prior to that, they were making a fantasy game called uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, and uh, Kings of War spent out even before that, but really it kind of came into its own in second edition in 2015, kind of picked up the mantle of this is the ranks and flanks battle game. And for those that don't ranks and flanks, we're talking about large units, Um, you know, like a, like a regiment or a giant horde uh, of units with maybe 20 guys or 40 guys all in one base. Uh, And you move the whole units together. Um, And then obviously you mentioned third edition, which came out this past October of 2019, um, and it's been a big, big hit, and, you know, it's, it's from a ranks and flanks standpoint, it's, it's booming for sure.
0: Yeah, um, I remember Kings of War, the, I think the first figures, it seems like I remember Mantic, it was like right after Games Workshop got rid of um, Squats, and... Well,
1: I, I don't know how long Squats have been around, but yeah, I know that uh, Mantic did make... Forge Fathers, which are basically armored space dwarves, right? Right. Um, And so, uh, yeah. And so, you know, I would say Mantic started as an alternative to uh, an alternative model supplier to Warhammer Games and other game systems. Um, But then it turned out they had some really great games on their hands, and the games really became very popular. And so they kind of just kind of threw away the the notion that we're here as an alternative for models. And hey, we're just an actual rules and gaming company that turns out. Makes really good rules.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was kind of the thing they made like alternate like elves and stuff like that, and it was like ridiculous. It was um, like compared to GW, you could get like an entire army of of mantic figures for like the price of like two units in, yeah. in GW, I think it yeah. was.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say the early days when they were when they were trying to position themselves in, as an alternative model supplier. You know, I think they were really targeting the uh, the the, the cost-minded folks, right? And so I think you could argue that maybe the quality wasn't always there, or you know, it's a new company, right? So th- right. they have a new product line, and they're certainly not up to speed. Um, but I think over the years, as they transitioned that away from that, and the moniker is no longer "were an alternative model company," they just make world-class models. You know, I think some of the they're certainly not looking at that cost segment anymore, I think uh, maybe more a value segment, right? I mean, you get a really great product for a reasonable price is probably the better way to say it, but the stuff they're making now, uh, if you haven't looked at it, uh, you really ought to because some of the resin sculpts that they're, they're pumping out um, for Vanguard, which we'll probably we'll ta- we'll touch on at some point they're as good as what you're going to find from Forge World uh, they're, they're excellent, I mean, buttery smooth resin sculpts uh, and their newer hard plastics uh, are great
0: well, let's take a look in actual Flames of War. up oh, Flames of War. Oh my gosh. that's That comes later, Adam. No, this is now <laughs> Kings of War. Let's take a look at Kings of War now. Uh, I went through the rule book and kind of took some notes, and looking at mm-hmm. it, it's only... I, I One thing I found interesting was, it's just 63 pages of rules. That's all you need. And that's basically, that covers like your table of contents, you know, art, you know, the credits, all of that is, is there all the way up to 63 pages now they have their own lore and and everything and um i'll try to link this in the show notes there's a guy that does kings of war lore on youtube and it's really mm-hmm. good starts with an a act
1: an- and Gavar something like that i the names <laughs> i was just uh watching because you just posted a an abyssal uh lore today
0: <laughs> but uh yeah i know and I I was gonna watch that uh, over this weekend because I'm very curious because now that would be, uh, basically kind of like GW's chaos dwarves. They're they're sort of at least look wise or whatever. They're they're evil dwarves, right? Well, abyssal
1: abyssal dwarves, right? Would be the cast dwarves. Abyssal or the abyss that that's actually what would be like demons.
0: Oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, I was also impressed with like the uh, the different factions and stuff, but uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Now. Kings of War is it it's a d6 game, correct? It
1: is and you need lots of d6s.
0: Okay. It's which I mean if you if you've played pretty much pretty much any game nowadays, uh I even find myself doing it in Flames of War a lot. There I go again talking about that. Um it's you're rolling a ton of d6s, an absolute ton. And I although I would say Games Workshop started that trend, you know, rolling the bucket of dice, but you know whatever, and like you said, you mentioned ranks and flanks. This is what Warhammer Fantasy was, where you're more or less pushing around squares or rectangles of blocks of troops that could do stuff. Now what kind of initially attracted me to it, and we talked about this you know over a year ago, is you don't have to remove the figures on it to count as you know uh, ones killed. So you can make these like really gorgeous kind of dioramas on each base. I really like that. And uh, mine are coming back for me, uh, for my painter finally. He's had them since I think we talked last. <laughs> and uh, I think they'll be uh, here next week, mid, mid to uh, mid, uh, between Monday and Wednesday, I think. And so yeah, each base was a diorama, and I think that's like really cool.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It really opens up uh, once you understand and fully grasp the implications. The, the, uh, the diorama piece of it is unbelievable. Like you can build giant hills or caves or, you know, all kinds of really cool stuff. And you can really tell a story with your models.
0: Now, that was kind of one thing I did want to mention is like height of things. Uh, this is a rule set that actually takes that into account. I know Games Workshop has gone back and forth on, you know, height and, you know... True long. line
1: of sight versus abstracted line yeah, of sight. And yeah, and so
0: this... They don't... Kings of War isn't true line of sight. Correct. It's
1: yeah. correct. It's not true line of sight. It is abstracted line of sight. You basically draw points, uh, lines between units, and different units and terrain features have different heights. And that's how you use to, to determine line of sight. Okay. Okay. Similar to maybe a war machine, if you've ever played War Machine, where they've got like the the base and they've got a certain height for certain size models.
0: Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, and um, I, I have glad. Now that's included on their stat line in Kings of War, right?
1: Correct. It's it's called height.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's easy. Yeah. Um, can you pre-measure in this game? Absolutely.
1: Okay. Anytime you want. Your turn. The player opponent's turn anytime you want. Uh, we, we would say that Kings of War is a game of intention and that it's a game designed not to rely on gotcha moments. Not You're not trying to trick your opponent. Uh, you're trying to beat them through smart, strategic play. And so you should have access to all the information.
0: So, like, before I charge you, I can, like, measure it out and, like, you know, here we
1: Absolutely. go. Absolutely, and, and when you're moving, it's very common in the game when you're moving your unit you move it to a certain distance, and, and you will tell your opponent, hey, I'm measuring this out. I am expecting to be 18 and a half inches away, so you can't charge me. And you'll get an agreement from your – your opponent will come to an agreement. Yep, I agree. And Because, uh, like I said, it's a game of intention.
0: Okay. Now, how do you decide who goes first? It's just a dice roll. So it's – and I think uh, you can have – there are some modifiers, although I, I, I've got notes here for um, – kings of war and vanguard so i can't remember which one gets somebody gets a plus one if you were the guy who put your unit down last or not the guy that put their unit down last
1: kings of war there are no modifiers for the the first dice roll essentially you roll for sides and the person that wins that roll picks the side uh, and puts their first unit down and then it's alternating you know alternating deployment back and forth and then once you're done it's a straight dice roll Uh, for the first turn, and the the, the unique thing about Kings of War, which sets it it apart from other game systems, uh, is number one scenario play, which, there's a lot of games with scenarios, but there's 12 distinct scenarios, and they have a lot of different flavor, if you will. And on top of that, it's undetermined length. So, you play six, and then there's a 50% chance you'll play a seventh turn. And because of that, you don't, in all cases, there's not not a you know, you don't always want to go first or you don't always want to go second. It really depends on the scenario. It really depends on the army you're playing, the, the army you're playing against. There's a lot of factors that would go into that. Whereas in like 40K and you got a gun line, shooty army, yeah, you want to go first.
0: Yeah, GW has stolen that and added into um, a couple of those. I swear this in 40K or something now. Yeah, but it's it's where like, oh, well, okay, there, we roll again and this is where we go, you know, to see if we go to another turn. Yeah, and I
1: love it. I, I think that's probably one of the keys to King's of War's success is that it is an interesting game because because you don't know when it actually will end. It affects the way you play, right? And it and it 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 actually holds tension
0: for me at least. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how does melee work in this game? As in, kit like basically what I'm wondering is like, okay, I declare a charge into mm-hmm. your guys. Yep. Now, I measure out, it's going to work, I hit you, you know, it's ranks and flanks, so we make sure all that's correct. You right,
1: know, so you, you just move the two units into combat, uh, and you only attack on your turn. So on on your turn, your unit will attack my unit. And you have an attack value, which is in the stat profile for every unit. It might say 18 attacks, it might say 10, 12, depends on the unit. You take that number of dice, you roll it. Uh, And then you have a melee value, which is uh, off to the left-hand side. There will be a little circle with the word ME, maybe with a plus sign next to it, with a number. Usually it's four plus, three plus, and that's what you need to hit. There are modifiers, you know, from like uh, if you're charging through difficult terrain. There are special rules like called ensnare, which is a unit that's very much more difficult to hit from the front. So there's modifiers, and and you just roll those number of attacks, and you roll what you need to hit, whether it's three, four, five, whatever. Uh, And then you take the hits. Uh, then you look at the, de- the the target unit's defense value, and that's the the, the base modifier you need or the base roll you need. So if they if say their defense five, you'd normally need five plus. If you have like a very heavy weapon, maybe it's got a, a rule called crushing strength one, um, and so you would apply any modifiers to that, and you would end up needing fours in that case. So it's real simple. You just number of attacks, figure out what you need to hit, pick up your hits, you know, and then roll to wound. Uh, and then once you figured out how much wounds, or technically how much damage, you mark the unit with that much damage, uh, and then you do what's called a nerve test. Where so, and and that's probably one point that we should probably mention is the, the a big difference between you know Warhammer Fantasy Battles uh, and Kings of War is because you're not removing models as casualties, the way you handle damage and morale is is vastly different. Um, in Warhammer, you know you take a test and you might break or you might. You know but in kings of war you're either steady wavered or routed so steady means what it probably sounds like you're 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 combat ready wavered means you've taken a lot of damage and you're you're wavered and you it limits what you can do and then routed means you're just off the table there's no running away in kings of war if you route and you turn and run you just pick the unit up they're, they're not they're not recovering they're leaving the battlefield at that point so Uh, And you do that at the end of every uh, melee phase or every combat that you have. Hopefully that makes sense.
0: Well, so, like, if I charge in, on my turn, do you get to attack me back? I do
1: not. So in your turn, you'll charge in, you'll do your wounds, you'll do a nerve test. If I'm still there, on my turn, I can countercharge. And then I would countercharge in and do the attacks back and forth, back and forth, uh, until one of us is dead. And, And that's a big thing that I should mention is that Everything dies in Kings of War. Um, there isn't two up, invulnerable, perfect saves, right? Right? There, if you want something to die, you just put enough shooting into it or enough combat troops into it, and it's going to die. That's just the nature of the beast. Okay. Now, and and damage is cumulative, I should mention, too. So you, so in one round, you did five wounds. The next round, you did ten wounds. Now I'm at 15. It, it doesn't go away. It stacks.
0: Okay how do uh, independent characters work? As in, like, uh, I know they're they're running around, and I I found it fascinating that uh, friendly and enemy units can move directly through them, can shoot through them, all this stuff, as long as, when you move through it, as long as, like, you you still aren't on the base when you move past.
1: Heroes. uh, There's two types of heroes. There's ones that we would call individuals, which are what you're alluding to, like, the smaller, on-foot Kind of, kind of, <coughs> excuse me, hero. Uh, those type of in- individuals, they don't block land of sight. They don't really stop any troops. Because I mean, if you think about it from a practical standpoint, a little uh, standard bear waving his flag is not going to stop a cavalry charge. So, uh, in the game, really, those type of units are really just there for support. So they may add some kind of magical buff. They may do healing, um, but they're not really going to stand a stand a charge they're not going to block up a unit of ogres for example um and to your point heroes do not join units like they do in other games you don't put them in the unit they are on there are a unit onto themselves and they're like like i said they're there to inspire the troops from a morale standpoint give them magical buffs um enhance their combat ability that kind of thing
0: now like can i target them i know various other games have had like rules where you you can't target an independent character if there's another unit closer you can or if they're close enough to a unit like but yeah i see this guy general you know general so-and-so or hero jim bob running across the table and i know he's gonna mess me up can i absolutely just shoot at him
1: absolutely can they are harder to hit because they're smaller so like if you're shooting at him you're gonna be at minus one to hit but yes you absolutely can um, and, and, and that's why if folks play them wrong, they're not there to tie up units, right? They're there to be behind the lines uh, providing support. And if they're not used that way, um, they can die. Now, I should say there are things like vampires, right, which are defense six. Yeah, you the, you can shoot them, but they're defense six, right? And they have a reasonable nerve value, and, and they are kind of a combat beast. Um, so. There's all kinds of flavors, and in addition, heroes can be put on various mounts. You know, you can get ones on dragons or ones on chariots. So uh, they come in all kinds of flavors. But in general, they're mostly used as a support tool.
0: Okay. Now, how do you, how do you make an army selection in this game? Like, uh, I I uh, my mind always goes back to like the first big you know uh, armies I pushed where I had to have an HQ and two troops, minimum. So how, how does it work for Kings of War?
1: Well, so it's a little different in that they, they do have like an, an unlocking process where you basically take bigger units, regiments and hordes, and by doing so you unlock the ability to take other things, like heroes, war engines, monsters, if that makes sense. And it just depends on what, what army you're using, but the book kind of outlines it, it's pretty hard for me to explain it in great detail but it does essentially that right you just take you take big units and that unlocks the ability to take other stuff other cool interesting things that you would want to take so back to your original example like um it, you sort of you, you take core units and now i can unlock the specials and the rares and the heroes and that kind of thing if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely okay so what is an average army size?
1: Well, typically we're playing between 2K and 23K is pretty pretty standard. Um, uh, depending on the army, it, it could be anywhere from 100, 100 models to, I mean, it, it could be several hundred models. just depends on whether or not, cause, I mean, the thing about King's War, there's 26 armies um, plus 30 historical armies. So it's a pretty big. Swath there. I mean, there's a lot of options there. So if you really want to play the horde army, there's lots of options to have you know 500 really cheap dudes running around. Whereas if you wanted to have a more elite army, say ogres, uh, you, you could do that as well. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. How? Uh. Like. How does that look on? like the tabletop does it completely just cover that whole Which I'm this game plays on a 4x6 table it plays
1: so. on a 4x6 it plays with 12 inch deployment zones very similar to Warhammer Fantasy Battles and I would say a standard army probably covers 60% of the deployment zone maybe uh, horde armies a little bit more elite armies a little bit less um, hopefully that answers your question I mean what, what I, a normal game with Kings of War it looks like two armies fighting
0: okay now, like, some of the larger units, I know, like, uh, GW's kind of known for, in my opinion, just making models too damn big, and, like, there, here's a shitload of them on the, the the board, and it all looks so crowded. Like, how many of those... Do you see, like, a lot of the big units? Like, I know you can do giants. Like, the dwarves have a uh, this really cool war engine, and yeah.
1: Right, yeah, so basically... All of the units in Kings War have a unit type. So there's infantry, large infantry, cavalry, large cavalry, chariots, monsters, titans. All of those things um, are classified in their unit profile. Every one of those has a specific uh, base size. Uh, so, for example, a titan, which we, you, you mentioned the giant, is a titan. And that's going to be on a 75-millimeter base. Uh, and so all of the various units have specific base sizes, in the case of infantry, there may be two, three, four different formation sizes. There could be a troop, which is 10 guys, a regiment is 20, a horde, 40, and in some cases, even like a legion, which is 60 guys. Um, so, it, specifically to your point, though, about big monsters and big griblies, this is a game about infantry. So, you're mostly going to see a lot of infantry. There are armies that do have a, a more access, maybe, to um, things like war engines. Or things like monsters and titans, and so there are some, there are some some outliers where you might see a monster army with lots of giants, but for the most part, you're going to see a lot of infantry.
0: Hmm, okay, how does the magic system work in the game?
1: It's really just another shooting attack. It's a support function. It's, um, it's really not there to. Uh, it, it, if you're familiar with Warhammer Fantasy Battles or something of those ilk. Or even Age of Sigmar, where you have these really crazy powerful spells, that doesn't happen in Kings of War. Kings of War is, you know, you might do a little bit of damage, you might heal something, you might buff something, but it's not really there to win you the game. It's sort of like, if you wanted to win with magic, it would be death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned uh, historic armies, like I know there's a Kings of War historicals, so can I, like, can I, my historical army fight a Kings of War army?
1: You can. You can. I will say the historical book came out in 2nd edition and it's due for an update. So there's a few things that the communities had to do um, like unit strength. There's a few statistics that, that we're using in 3rd edition that we had to go back and tweak for the historical armies. But yeah, we locally we have lots of guys that play you know, uh, Roman armies or um, samurai armies and there's no problem playing them against my ogres. I mean, essentially, they're just a human army, right? I mean, yeah, that's essentially yeah. what they are. And uh, those guys either play them as human armies from the historical book, whatever flavor they want, or there's the Kingdoms of Men list in the fantasy version, and then that, they can take their regular historical army. But now I can have dragons. Now I can have these giant, you know, cannons. So
0: nice. Uh, you know, speaking of factions, does Kings of War have any factions that are unique, like something that they came up with that really aren't present in any other? fantasy game
1: yeah so i think there's a few that are are unique to like mantic's lore um one of them would be trident realms which is essentially fish people and i'm sure you're old enough to remember like i am the jokes about warhammer and the fish people um but they actually did it they have an army with naiads um and placoderms and and all kinds of great great sea creatures um another one that is fairly unique is called the night stalkers they are essentially from another realm they're not really demons, but they're sort of demons. But they're 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 entering our world through this uh, other realm, and they kind of get into your head uh, and uh, cause fear from within. And uh, it's almost like um, well, I don't really have a very good example, but uh, I'm trying to think like what other game I can't think of any other game system. I mean, it's almost like if, if there was a fancy equivalent of like maybe tyrants, maybe uh, I don't know, you know, monstrous alien-looking things that have a lot of psychological power.
0: Really? Okay. Uh, that, yeah, that is definitely unique. Um, I can't think of anything like that offhand, because you I mean, because like, you know, Beastmen and Orcs and all, I mean, they're all, you know, kind of tribal that have an intelligence or something, you know, so, wow, that is kind of cool. What are they called?
1: They're called the Night Stalkers, and they've got units like Scarecrows and Reapers and Void Lurkers and Phantoms and so you, you can, you can kind of get a sense from just the names of the units, what you're what you're dealing with. And uh, your rule book has a little bit of fluff on them. And uh, that's a fluff that, you know, uh, they brought the, the Night Stalker army out in 2nd edition. And in 3rd edition, we really saw it expanded. They've got a full model range, which are fantastic. A lot of hard plastic. And in fact, I should mention, there is a starter set for Kings of War, which is called Shadows of the North. And it's Northern Alliance um, and Night Stalkers and... and kind of maybe two of their bigger flagship IPs, I'm, I'm not quoting there, but Night Stalkers is what I've already described. Northern Alliance is basically barbarians, but it's like this, uh, this northern cult that has elves and humans and dwarves all intermixed and they're a force of good in, in the world. Um, it's really cool. It's a very unique take. It's almost like if Warriors of Chaos wasn't xenophobic and brought in all these different races and they were a good race. Then you would have Northern Alliance.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that is kind of cool. I, I'll, although I guess uh, I think GW stole it with their their uh, Age of Sigmar um, Empire, uh, whatever the the Cities of Sigmar, whatever it's called. That group they do a mixed faction right. in it of like elves, humans, and dwarves. But uh, yeah, looking at the uh, the figures for this, I love the armored bear cavalry. You know, that's super cool. We get a bit the,
1: the Brock Riders. Yeah, you get a big. So they're armored badgers,
0: yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Get a big giant.
1: Or are, are you looking at Northern Alliance? Or are you looking at dwarves? If you're looking Alliance. at Northern Alliance. Yeah, so those are frostbangs. They're like giant beasts with a with a guy on the back.
0: Yeah. Pretty awesome. So it's, yeah, it's very Viking themed, yeah. sort of, and yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, one thing I that has fascinated me about this game. It, uh, is the competitive play. Mm-hmm. But before I kind of get to that, tell me about timed games. Because it mentions that in the rulebook. Like, you know, hey, you could play it for fun or whatever, but, if, you know, you want to really, you know, add some extra whatever to it. Hey, you know, do it with a chess clock or with, yeah, or with a timer. Yeah, I
1: mean, for casual play, we don't typically, we, we won't necessarily play with a clock, but, you know, to your point about competitive play, there's a very big scene. And in competitive play, you have a probably a 90% chance that you're going to be playing on a clock. Uh, and what it does is it completely eliminates any possibility of slow play and your time is your time and you're going to get all the time you need for your army uh, and your opponent will get the same. And so it's you know alternating turns, right? You go, I go. Um, and you on your turn, the clock's running and on their turn, the clock's running for them. And if you run out of time, you don't necessarily lose. You just can't play anymore. Well... That can be as good as a loss, depending on how you're situated. But if you can't move any more of your units, and the other, you know, your opponent has a whole turn left, they might be able to win the game.
0: Hmm, Okay. And uh, yeah, for those of you listening, who don't understand how like chess clocks work. Say you you each have like two hours, or, or...
1: yeah. So like the game might be two hours, and each might you might each get like fifty five minutes, for example.
0: Right. And so when you're done with your turn, you. You, you hit your thing on your side that stops the clock, and so it, go, it goes to him, and then,
1: yeah. And the interesting point is the clock starts when you're deploying. So as soon as you're starting to draw, once you make that dice roll, you're, the clock's going. So it's 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 a complete you know it's the complete game.
0: So what is the competitive scene like in the U.S. and worldwide?
1: So, it's very it's very. Uh, uh, what's, what's the way to describe it? It's very organized. It's probably the best way to describe it. In the U.S., we have a U.S. Masters system, which is basically um, eight. The country's divided up into eight regions, and every year each region selects eight players, and they send them to the U.S. Masters location. Uh, we just finished our fourth U.S. Masters four Kings of War. Our first one was Nashville, uh, then Chicago, San Antonio, and then this past one we were upstate New York. And uh, we have 64 players come together, and we play Kings of War. Um, the host region, whoever's like in this case, it was the Northeast, you know, they're they're kind of the, the group that puts it on. Um, to qualify for the Masters, um, every region has their own specific set of requirements, but in general, usually you got to live in the region, uh, and then you just got to do good at tournaments that are what they dub as, you know, qualifying events. Um, they Depends on the region. Some regions allow one day events um, with a heavier focus on two days. Some regions only allow two day events Um, here in the southeast. We probably have 10 qualifiers pretty much. I I would say there's a qualifier every month somewhere in the southeast. Uh, And I think that's pretty true to most of the more populous areas in the country, whether that's the south, like with Texas or the Mid Atlantic, or the Northeast, or the Midwest. Some of the the more spread out sections, like the Mountain Region, you know, they may have six events a year, uh, but they're growing. That's the the good thing is everywhere, Kings of War is being played, and everywhere it's growing in popularity.
0: Okay, so you you're in Memphis, I'm down hmm. here by Jackson, and so we're in the Southeast. Correct. Which yep. I'm assuming goes all the way through Florida. That be Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana.
1: Uh, nope, so not Louisiana. It's Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and that's it. Okay,
0: yep. so Louisiana is in the. So Louisiana
1: is in the South. So that's with Oklahoma, which is with Texas and, and over that direction. Hmm. Okay and the the neat thing is that the the you know the US master system there's a, there's a council representatives and it's very organized and it it changes like over time um, like just this past year the state of Missouri uh, and Iowa has moved to the mountain region you know they just said okay hey it's time for us to, you know midwest is doing great they just felt from a from where people were coming to and going to for their events that it was the the right thing to do to move, you know, redraw the districts, if you will, um, and and so that's happened a few times.
0: Now I'm very I'm also very interested in doing this in small scale where people have le- legitimate mainly using a 10 millimeter right. pin figures and they basically they change up the bases to make it work and then uh, basically you just convert uh, inches to centimeters and you call can.
1: it a day. I, mean, I mean, honestly, uh, there's probably a million different ways people do it. How we do it here in Memphis is we use the War Master bases. Uh, one stand is a, uh, a troop. Two stands is a regiment. Four stands is a horde. Um, and we don't change the measurements. We play with inches. And what happens is you've got 10,000 points on a side, and the game is over in three hours because it's very fast. Now, in those scenarios, we're not really – looking to play games with tons of, you know, magic and a lot of what they call magical artifacts, items that would tweak the units. I mean, it's a lot of stock standard vanilla army builds. Um, But to your point, there are other people that actually um, attempt to recreate the differences in base size on the smaller scale. So they literally convert it down. You know, if the base was 100 by 80, they they figure out the math and then they make a bad, you know, uh a base that's the right size um to your point if you just go from inches to centimeters and you're playing a 10 millimeter scale that actually works out really well from a scaling down perspective it it, it actually the math works uh, but there's a ton of different ways that people can play it but the reality is just like everything with kings of war it's your game you can play it however you want and it doesn't get in your way
0: now see for me i'd want to do keep the The army size the same, say 2,000 points or whatever, and play it on a two-by-three.
1: Right, and that happens too, right? Yeah. People that play, like, DBA or those kind of things, yeah, you can totally scale it down and literally play the full-size game on a smaller table with smaller units. That can be done as well.
0: All right. Well... Uh, I guess that's about all I wanted to say for Kings of War 3rd Edition. I guess for the people that played the 1st or 2nd, what are the differences? What changed from 2nd to 3rd?
1: Really, the big thing from 2nd to 3rd is they cleaned up a lot of the... the, uh, First of all, Kings of War is not a very... uh, It's not a complex rule set. It's very clean. It's designed from the ground up to be a tournament game. However, in 2nd Edition, there were a couple areas that... were were in need of some cleanup. Uh, And so they did. Uh, But in terms of how you actually play the game, I wouldn't say materially you've actually changed all that much. Um, Some of the differences that you would see is the way in which you unlock and the way you build armies is a little different. Um, The number of armies has gone up. We're at 26 now. 26 fantasy armies. Um, So I guess that's what I would say is more of the changes are on the army side um, in terms of what units those armies have available to them may have changed. How you unlock the units and build armies has changed, um, but the core of Kings of War hasn't really changed all that much, which is you know a testament to the game system. If it was that good in Second Edition, you don't you know don't break it if it's already working pretty good.
0: All right. Well, uh, I guess let's move on to Vanguard because that's another one that I now this this one it was an impulse by uh, your your friendly local store did a sale and I was like, well,
1: yeah, for well the book was I think fifty percent off. I think it's twenty dollars. Yeah. And and actually that's not my store. I mean that's Mantic. Um, through this whole isolation thing, they have done a great job of some of their. Um, Uh, I don't want to say lesser-known games, but games that maybe they want to get more attention to, they've really done a great job of discounting it, or even in some cases giving away the rules for free. But, you know, like Walking Dead is 50% off. The Vanguard rulebook is 50% off. So, yeah, it was a great time for you to jump on it.
0: Yeah, so I I grabbed that and a dwarf uh, starter. Mm -hmm. And then I was also kind of mainly interested in the Warpath rulebook sets. Because, uh, man, those. Squats or not squats, just space dwarves look really, really cool. So, you know, I would, I you know, I'm just very curious to see how the game plays. Plus, I really like the Space Skaven. Are they Ratkin?
1: Rat, well, they're, yeah, Veerman.
0: Veerman, yeah. yeah. The, the Space Skaven are really freaking cool. So, you know. Yeah.
1: They're awesome. You know, I would say, you know, um, all of Manta's games are really good, whether it's Dead Zone or Warpath or Kings of War or Vanguard. I mean, and they all cater to different a different target audience so uh no matter what you're looking to scratch you know what itch you're trying to scratch Manty's got a game that will scratch that itch for you whether it's modern like zombies they've got that if you want fantasy they've got that if you want hard sci-fi they've got that too so a lot of options
0: yeah i have dead zone very interested to get that off you know especially so i can do you know vermin versus the uh space dwarves but uh, one that I almost pulled the trigger on, almost, and maybe I will when my Cheeto check comes in, uh, is Star Saga.
1: Star Saga. So, so just to give people a little bit of background, let's talk about from the fantasy side. From the fantasy side, Kings of War is the big, large scale combat game. Vanguard is like your, they they've described it as fancy Black Ops, but it's you know a small squad, right, battling on a smaller table. Dungeon Saga is. Hero quest—it's that small little band of heroes going through the thing, going through the you know the the maze, the dungeon. Flipping to the sci-fi side, you mentioned Star Saga. Star Saga is dungeon saga in space. Basically, it is you know you're, these are my sci-fi heroes and they're going through these you know space hulkish-looking corridors and they're fighting and they're they're achieving and they got scenarios and and so there's that. Uh, and then you go up one more step, uh, you've got Dead Zone, which is That small scale, you know, it's a 2 by 2 mat, a lot of terrain, um, sci-fi, you know, I I actually think it's better than Kill Team, but I think there's probably some similarity to Kill Team. Uh, And then you go up one more step, they've got Firefight, which is akin to, say, 40k, and then going all the way to the big top, you got Warpath, which is that mega battle scale. And on the side, I should mention they also have Dreadball, which is science fiction, fantasy it's not really football it's more hockey it's hard to really describe because it's very kinetic um, but so then they have dreadball as well so um so star saga is great because first of all the models in that set are amazing and uh a lot of good value a lot of different crazy looking monsters and stuff um i mean it's basically a dungeon crawler in space
0: yeah it's like uh, i think it's mercenaries uh going into abandoned um uh ships or something yeah
1: yeah, and all the characters and models and stuff that are used in Star Saga, there's crossovers, right? So they, they can they can be played in Dead Zone, for example, or they can be played in Warpath. So it's they're very good about making – the models they make are accessible in all the games that it makes sense.
0: Now, let me ask you this. In their games uh, – okay, let me back up a little bit. So I guess I should say when you play competitively, uh, the, uh, Kings of War competitively, uh, is it official – through mantic or is it done like uh through a third party like the gw ones are
1: so it's a third party right so mantic does run official mantic sponsor events like clash of kings of adepticon that's an official mantic event all the rest of the events in the u.s we're all run through the u.s masters organization and uh we're a third party i wouldn't say we're like itc um but we're probably similar in that regard you know that it's kind of a third-party organization that um unlike itc we don't dictate you know uh this tournament has to be run a specific way right i mean tournaments can run them however they want however many points they want their own crazy restrictions the, it, you know all we're really doing is collecting the results and figuring out who should be invited to the u.s masters um, but yeah so all the tournaments are run like independent gt
0: okay so, basically, what I wanted to say was, um, uh, are, are, the, are the games um, miniature neutral? Can I, like, bring in figures from whatever and, and play Yeah, this? so,
1: figure agnostic. Right? Yes, that's yeah. the
0: term. Figure right, so agnostic. So,
1: figure agnostic. So, yes, the game itself is figure agnostic. And, in fact, um, you know, obviously the company's not going to say that it's figure agnostic. Right? They're going to want you to buy Mantic models, right? Just like everybody else. However... In the fantasy world, they don't make all the models, right? So they have twenty-six armies. They might make ranges that could make could do twelve of them, thirteen of them. I don't know off the top of my head. So some of those armies, you don't have a choice. You're gonna have to use somebody else. Um, in terms of the independent scene, it's whatever you want, right? I mean, within reason. Um, we want you to, you know, as a general rule, as a guidance, you know, there's a base size fill up the base, make it look cool, make it so that your opponent can understand what he's looking at. Like, if it's cavalry, it should look like cavalry. Other than that, you know, if you want to use GW elves or mantic elves, I, nobody really cares.
0: Alright, so, Vanguard. Let's let's talk about this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, it has, let's see, 66 pages of rules, you know. It's a
1: lot. First of all, let me preface it by saying, I am not an expert on Vanguard. Uh, I, I I dabble in it, so I'm certainly not an expert at it, but what I would say at the, to start with is that it is a much crunchier game, and I would not, other than the fact that you have overlap in models like your character models could go into Kings of War I don't know that it's a great intro to Kings of War because the rule sets are completely different and I would argue Vanguard is actually much more complicated uh, than Kings of War.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of expect it to, because usually with these small um, skir- skirmish games, usually they're way more detailed because and will play at the same amount of time as their bigger brothers.
1: And Vanguard is like that. I would make a mention that Dead Zone's not like that. Dead Zone actually is a fun, fast, furious set of rules that plays that kill team experience on a small 2x2 table in a really short amount of time, so um, it's a little bit of an anomaly out there in the industry. But yeah, Vanguard is going to take you a couple of hours to play a game um, on a small small mat of you know, and it depends on the size. It could be, I'm just thinking here, maybe like 12 guys. To, I mean, it could be upwards of 30 guys if you had like a really cheap unit, like with goblins and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering is about like what the uh, model count was.
1: It really, just depends on the faction, um, and I should mention they're slowly bringing all the factions over for models that, you know, for armies that are in the quote unquote mantic IP. So I, I think there may be at like 12 armies so far, 12 factions in Vanguard and more growing. Like this summer, we're going to see the ogres, uh, get their, get a whole new set of models. Um, so, and I, and I say that they already have ogres in, in Vanguard, but they don't have any special models for them. They don't have special box sets. And so, what they've been doing is that when they bring out, when they when they do an army, they give them a bunch of new cool heroes, get them some new cards, and just make a really nice looking package that's slick for Vanguard. And you got the dwarf one, right? Yep. So the dwarf one's fantastic. It's got three or four beautifully butterly butterly smooth resin sculpts. Um, they're fantastic sculpts. I, I don't you know I don't know how to say it. To the point where it is now impacted on what they're doing with Kings of War. Um, So, for example, the goblins came out in Vanguard, and they were so good that they're like, "Oh crap, we have to redo our plastic, hard plastic goblins for Kings of War because they're not up to this level." And so that's what we're seeing now is we're seeing, you know, they're spending so much time and they've really, really honed their craft to the point where they have fantastic models for Vanguard that it's now being uh, you can use them directly in Kings of War, but it's also affecting, you know, them going back and fixing or updating some of their older ranges.
0: Okay. Uh, It has unique dice, am I correct?
1: Yeah, it has like a a power dice system with like blue, red, and white dice, Um, and it's not unlike, you know, uh, know, like Legion, right? Where you've got certain dice for heavier weapons, that have got like a better, quote-unquote, better dice, and you're looking for specific symbols to do various actions, whether that's, you know, uh, attacking, shooting, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, uh, fantasy flight loves special yeah. dice, and, and
1: I would say this this is one of the things that is very different. Is that kings of war? You don't really have a lot of tokens. You've got you know a token for a unit to mark damage, maybe like an effect, like whether they're hindered or wavered. Um, but there is a lot of tokens in Vanguard, right? Fatigue, and they're down, and they're you know. So yeah, there's definitely a, it's definitely a much more token heavy game. Um, which I guess comes with the territory most of the time when you have those small skirmish games um, like in like in Infinity or that, that kind of thing. You're oh, going yeah, to see more tokens, right? Because at this point, you're not abstracting it. You're like literally this is my dwarf and he is fighting and you're, you're trying to mechanically show him on the battlefield and uh, all the effects of the war on him. So I, I kind of get it.
0: Now, uh, it's on a three-by-three three table size, I think.
1: Correct. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger than Dead Zone, which is a two by two. Um, the difference between you know, so it, it is also um, even though it's on a small table, you still have terrain and it's still measured with a tape measure. So I guess in that regard, it is similar to Kings of War in that it still measure your unit. You know, the way land sight works is, is similar. Um, so it, yeah, there there are some overlaps. Okay.
0: Now the basing on it, and I guess to a lesser extent, like. Uh... Kings of War, it's square bases, right?
1: Or correct? And in Vanguard, you're basically talking about heroes and in individual models, right? So, you're talking like twenty millimeter square, twenty five millimeter square, forty millimeter square. You know, you're talking about the same base sizes are in Kings of War, and they're basically those. You're talking about the various heroes.
0: Now, what what is the difference between a round and a turn? So, basically, uh, you each player is going to
1: get. I believe I could I either got it, this is right or it's backwards, but there could be two rounds in a turn, or it's two players turns in a round. But it's it's not unlike anything else, right? You've got multiple turns in every turn. You each, you each get to go.
0: Okay, and you still you just kind of dice off to see who goes first.
1: Yeah, there's there's actually uh, it's a little bit more sophisticated. It depends on there are, there are ways like I believe. If in the previous round, if you activated last one of you, because it, it isn't uh, you go I go, it's I activate a model, you activate a model, back and forth. But if you activate last, then the other person gets a bonus or gets to go first in the next round. So
0: ah uh, yeah, that's what I was talking about. That plus one.
1: Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, so right, you get a plus one if, if you um you ended your activations first.
0: Okay. So and it's it has the same like shooting hand in hand in magic. It has all
1: the same statistics, right? And it has all the basically the same rules as Kings of War. Um, they're just having to scale them down for a skirmish game, right? So you, instead of 18 attacks for a unit, you may have three. <laughs>
0: yeah, I wonder how uh, if magic is stronger because there it is. scales smaller. Yeah,
1: I... I, I because it is uh, more... Well, it's completely hero-dependent, right? I mean, all... Is in, in, in one sense, they're all heroes, right? I mean, there are grunts and, and that kind of thing. But, yeah, he, magic does play a much bigger role. A lot of builds will have two or three wizards out of, say, 15 guys. So, yeah, magic uh, is a much bigger deal in Vanguard than it is in Kings of War. And I say that. Depends on the army you play, right? Some armies, there are armies that even in Kings of War or Vanguard they don't really care about magic. Dwarves would be one of them, right?
0: <coughs> oh, Very yeah. limited magic. I, I was going to ask if uh, they had that kind of stereotypical dwarf thing where um, that where they don't have magic or it's no, like... so
1: yeah so dwarves in mantic lore they do have magic but it's just lesser right so they'll do things like they bane chant which gives your unit or your hero an extra bit of crushing when they're fighting or you'll have heal um, but it's certainly not to the level of the crazy stuff that you might see out of an undead. Army, for example.
0: Yeah, and the undead in in uh, Kings of War is the Empire of Dust. Which so is... well, there's
1: actually two. There's actually undead, which you might more more people might think of as like vampire counts. Okay. Uh, and then there's Empire of Dust, which you might think of as Tomb Kings. Yeah. So bo- both flavors, dry and wet, <laughs> undead, undead in uh, Kings of War. That's a good point, dry and wet. And in and in Vanguard, they're both in Vanguard as well.
0: Okay. And do you know how you create a warband in Vanguard?
1: It's, you know, it's all based on point systems. So uh, a base model might have, well, just like in Kings of War, you have like a certain minimum, like if you're playing a 200-point game, which is kind of standard, you've got to take X amount of grunts or warriors, which are your base troops, and then you're allowed to have, you know, in that every 50, you're allowed to have like one huge guy, huge ogre-sized character, right? You can have like one character, like one leader, uh maybe two specialists. So there's like very specific uh, building restrictions in terms of how many of the different types you can have. Um, and then each of those things have a points cost and you, you essentially buy their services and then you add equipment to them. You can buy them a special uh, heavy weapon or a big shield. Um, and the best thing to do is not try to figure that out on your own. Just go, if you just do a search for Vanguard, you know, Easy Army, they have a, a tool, Easy Army, it's free use it It, it'll help you build your army and uh it's much better than you trying to explain all the restrictions
0: well i guess that's all i had questions for when i uh actually went through and made some notes and uh flipping through here i love their uh their artwork is great and yeah i mean they use the same like artists and sculptors as pretty much everybody else does i mean there's no real exclusive uh, exclusivity um, I will ask, do you know who uh, writes the rules for Kings of War?
1: So for 3rd edition, it was written by the community. They have a, a process called it's the Rules Committee, which are a bunch of volunteers from the community. And um, so 2nd edition was Alicio Cavator, wrote the 1st wrote the edition rules and helped with the 2nd edition. Um, but with 3rd edition, it was completely the Rules Committee, uh, and they... You know, they're a bunch of volunteers. They're they're, they're competitive gamers. And um, they reworked the rules that needed to be reworked and wrote the book and then passed it off to Mantic. And then Mantic does all their fancy uh, uh, graphic arts being applied and getting it into a book format. So it's a really interesting dynamic in that the rules are driven by the community, which I think is great.
0: That is true, me if- you know enough people get together like, hey, this is broken, this is terrible. We need to fix this. They're like, okay, yeah.
1: and they do track that stuff, right? They track they track tournament results, they track the various usage, of the builds, and they they try to encourage. There's an annual they call it Clash of Kings update where they'll tweak the rules slightly. Um, they'll probably change out a few of the scenarios, maybe change up some of the magical artifacts, tweak a few units. Uh, and the point of that is just to say, hey, we noticed that everybody's doing this one thing. Let's tweak it up a little bit. Let's make it a little bit different. And just to keep things interesting. You know, the, the death, of, you know, the worst thing that a, a war game can become is boring.
0: That's true. It's very true. Or frustrating. Yeah, I, I get that completely. Oh, man. Yeah, there there have been several game systems that, yeah, I played and we did, it just made you mad. And then you were like, why do I play this? You know, it just makes me angry. <laughs> because it doesn't make sense, and yeah, so. Well, anyway. Absolutely. Robert, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me and answering my questions again and describing this thing so much better than I ever could. And uh, now I'm anxiously awaiting my army to get here, and then, well, um, huh? uh, I would say get it to the table, but I guess I have weeks or months or whatever to convince someone else to uh, perhaps buy into it or whatever. But the reality is they can just use their own army. Yeah, they just have, and, have to get a movement tray.
1: Yeah, and the, the reality is that you don't need to... I mean, there's people down where you live that play Kings of War. There's people all over the place that play Kings of War. Uh, there's tournaments all over the place. We've got lots of them here in Memphis. Uh, we're we're going to put one on in St. Louis, so you can go see your buddy. Oh, is yeah. it Rich? Yeah. Richard, so, yeah. yeah, so Rich is up there. So um, I, I think we're all just waiting for the madness to subside so that kings of war competitive gaming can go back to the way it was which is you know this crazy you know in the u.s there's probably two or three tournaments a month you know somewhere in the united states and uh from a two-day gt standpoint it's been great so i do want to mention steve hildrew my co-host is a huge fan and he said if i didn't say hello uh he's probably your your biggest fan in the uk i don't know if it's your only fan i'm not sure but uh
0: really what's this Stephen hill Stephen hildrew hildrew Yep. Yeah, honestly, um, Hill Drew. That's H i l l d r e w.
1: I think just one L, but yeah, yeah
0: okay. you got it. It's phonetic, phonetically. Yeah, it is weird that we've been doing this long enough to actually get listeners, and then it gets weird to me. Like when I encounter them, like on the uh, on the internet or whatever. Oh my god, and it's it scares me when I when I run into them in conventions, even though I specifically said, "Hey, if you see me." Come on, right? Yeah, and, yeah, but then I forget. Like I'm, you know, shy and and stuff, and all aw- and socially awkward and stuff. So I, know, I
1: be- get you. We we've, we've been running the show for seven years. We're at like four hundred and I don't know twenty episodes, and uh, we still travel to a lot of tournaments and we meet a lot of people. And it's always like, if you haven't done it in a while, it's that weird like thing where they come up to you and they know you better than you think they know you because they've heard you and they, you know what I mean? You know, you've never had a conversation with this person, but. They've heard you have lots of
0: conversations. Yeah. That's, that's and so very, they have a lot true. of
1: detail. Um, so it's it's a, always an interesting dynamic. That's but like, that's what makes the world fun.
0: It's like, I love your show. It's like, people listen
1: actually listen to that? Oh. Well, I listen just so that I can you know keep up on all the goofy stuff that's going on in the industry. Oh, yeah. Because so. I am not going to solely myself by diving into some of those cesspools. No. But you do a great job of going in there and saying, look, this person – is a domestic abuser, whatever, whatever yes. crazy story you come up with, yeah. and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, aggregating that all into one source. Yeah, wow. And wargaming fix, right? I don't play, I don't really play chip-based historical wargames, so it's fun to live vicariously through you guys. That's true.
0: Richard makes you want to though. Makes go, yeah, hey, exactly. That, that. Thing, that thing sounds so cool. He makes it sound so easy. And look, he has like forty-seven friends, and they all play. <laughs> it's like, funny. One
1: of my other co-hosts, Mark, he, he's a huge advanced squad leader. Fanatic, ridiculously nuts, and uh, he's never made it sound interesting. So I, I don't know what I don't know what uh, Richard's got, but he's got the, the right the right uh, whatever it is he needs to bottle it because he definitely can make even the most boring dull thing sound exciting.
0: It's like but Robert, don't you want an eight hundred page um, <laughs> rule book to, to that you go through and you're 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 playing on uh, your the area you play on is the size of a piece of paper exactly with with like 20 uh inch square counters a piece that you need a uh, magnifying glass in order to read (laughs) when you have
1: to use special uh tweezers to pick up your chits yeah you know you've gone too far
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) true well robert thanks again for coming on and it's counter charge podcast they're like the number one kings of war podcast in the world and uh yeah there you go and apparently Stephen hildrew was the reason for that it's
1: absolutely it's him yeah.
0: it's it's his the way he says things in that british accent that that just drives it home
1: actually yeah it, steve's great steve's great All so right. hey thanks a lot for having us and hopefully we'll get you up to memphis at some point and to get you a demo game in a vanguard and or dead zone and kings of war um uh, we just got to have this uh, this 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 crazy stuff go away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much.
1: Thank have you, sir. Have a good
0: day. Yep. Bye bye. Right.